Welcome back to another episode of the Mindset Makeover Class Podcast. I'm going to probably have to stop doing these intros because I have a bit of an announcement to make. So as you guys know, I am a coach. I am a trauma-informed coach that I that helps people heal their brain and body from trauma. Um, I also call myself a mindset coach because that's definitely my bread and butter, all the good stuff and the strategies that we do after we do our healing. But more than anything, it's been really clear to me that creating a different life and transforming your pain comes and starts with healing your trauma. And I have been branding myself, or initially anyway, when I first started my coaching practice as someone who is a mindset coach, and I called this podcast the Mindset Makeover Class. Super, super intentional with mindset strategies, thought work, and things like that. But understanding and working with clients and seeing their transformation and what's actually moved the needle for people and what's helped them has been healing people's trauma. That's where it's at. That's what I truly, truly, and genuinely believe in my soul, in my mind, in my body. And because of that, I've rebranded my one-on-one coaching program to Trauma to Triumph. I am launching a group coaching program called Trauma to Triumph in June of this year, 2021, if you're listening to this in the future, um, and or the present. And because of that, I have decided to rebrand this podcast show as well. There will be a launch soon or like a mini launch because there's not going to be this, um, you know, new, I would say new information that I'm going to be putting out. It's It's been a slow and gradual change on the show. If you've been following me from the beginning, you know that and you hear it with my messaging and just all the content that I share. And then obviously the methods of coaching that I utilize. So All that to say is the mindset makeover class is getting a makeover (laughs) and I will be brand, I will re I'm already in the process of rebranding with um, an amazing team of people. Um, and I will be announcing that I want to say in May sometime right before the trauma to triumph, um, coaching program launch. So, um, I always do an intro to each episode and I say, you know, welcome to the mindset makeover class, but I have a feeling that's going to stop because I'm going to utilize some of the episodes from this show um, into the new podcast show that I'm going to be rebranding. So that's some fun, new, um, exciting um, information for you guys. So look out for that. If you follow me on Instagram at Annabelle.Ingleton, you'll see all the stuff for that. And if you're following me here, you will probably see new cover art. Um, I don't think you'll have to re-subscribe or follow um, Apple Podcasts. Um, most people listen to me on Apple Podcasts, but if you have an Android phone, which many of you do, you probably follow me on Stitcher or Spotify, um, Google Podcasts, everywhere podcasts um, are found, I'm there. So just depending on where you find me, the artwork and the branding definitely will change and the name. So I'm excited about that. So that's to come. You will obviously see it in everything um, in all the podcasts app. So just a little housekeeping there for you guys. Um, But this week, we are going to continue the polyvagal theory talk. Um, I felt like it was a really robust episode last week when when we talked about polyvagal theory. And I talked about hierarchy and neuroception, um, two of the most important parts of polyvagal theory. But 
I felt like I left, not that I left stuff out because I covered all the main points, but I wanted to kind of elaborate more on neuroception because I think neuroception is probably to me, honestly, the most, my most favorite part about polyvagal theory. And I'll explain why when it comes to going, your nervous system going into one of these three states, right? ventral vagal, sympathetic, or dorsal vagal, they are guided by your body, by your nervous system. And the way that it's guided is by the function of neuroception. So Stephen Porges, the creator um, of polyvagal theory, coined this term um, as a way to kind of, I think, describe perception, but with your neural pathways. And I think he did it very brilliantly by calling it neuroception in the sense that it's that mechanism that is constantly at work under conscious awareness. It is always working and it's the thing in your body that will put you into an automatic nervous system state without any of your control. Okay. And I want to talk about this more and kind of explain it better because I think it's important to understand when, um, I I reference this a lot, guys. I, if you see me on Instagram and you follow me, I'm always doing Instagram lives. Um, I offer a lot of content and I've gotten to the point where I do use all of the polyvagal, um, vernacular because I think it's important to not dumb it down. These words are really important to explain the processes that are happening in your body um, so that you understand that it's not something that sometimes you have full control over. There are things that are automatically happening beyond your control and in spite of it. All right. So neuroception is what's happening when you come across something in the external life, like a circumstance, things are happening outside of you where um, things are happening internally in your body and when it's happening between you and another nervous system or several nervous systems, several other people, okay? That sounds weird, right? Look at that nervous system. (laughs) I'm referring to other people, okay? So there's three ways that your body has um, or perceives neuroception or or, um, yeah, wait, I don't think perceive is the right way to say it, Um, undergoes neuroception. All right. So I want to give you guys some examples so it can be spelled out a little bit clearer. So one way that I would um, describe it is, so there's, there's the three in, inside, outside, and between. I always reference these with my clients, um, that you have neuroception inside your own body. You have neuroception, um, outside of you with any outside circumstance, and you have neuroception between another person or several people. And this is something, guys, that is done on autopilot, but it's severely, if not completely, informed by your past experiences, aka a lot of your trauma. If you have trauma, it's severely influenced. So I'm going to give you an example. If you have been physically abused by a partner, if you witnessed physical abuse with parents or caregivers, you may have a propensity now to be cautious of any type of physical abuse, any type of loud voices or yelling or loud sounds or just any anything that looks or could be abusive. 
um, you now typically, I want to say, if, if, if the trauma was intense enough for you for the survival states to be trapped in your body, okay, and they haven't been processed, you have a higher chance of having a neuroception of threat when it comes to anything that's perceived by your nervous system as abusive, okay? So there was something that I just said right now that I want to explain. So the nervous system is always working and it's always scanning, always at all times. And it's scanning for one of two things. It's scanning for cues of safety and it's scanning for cues of threat. This is the only way the nervous system un- like understands the world. It doesn't look at it like pretty or ugly. Um, it doesn't look at it as... Um, let's see, good looking. Well, I already said pretty and ugly, right? Um, it doesn't look at it nice or mean. It just looks at things as, or clean or dirty. It's safety or threat, safety or threat. And based on your past, right? We're talking, and we're always going to be referencing trauma guys. So when you have experienced the impacts of trauma, if you've had traumatic experiences in your past that involved physical abuse, let's say for example, you're going to have a neuroception, you're going to probably have neuroception, more neuroception of threat because of your past experiences. So it's really informed by your trauma. Does that make sense, guys? If you've had experiences in your past where physical abuse, you have, it was traumatic to your body. Now you have a lot of hypervigilance and you're fearful and you have anxiety your nervous system says, we need to look out for this kind of stuff because this is going to impact our survival. It's threatening to our survival. So if there's things that are going to hurt us, we need to keep on the lookout. And your nervous system is responsible for doing one of two things, keeping you safe and keeping you alive. And so it's always going to look for things again for with through the um, filter of safety or threat, safety or threat. And if its job is to look for things that keep you safe and keep you alive, that's what it's going to scan for. And when you've had trauma, you, you can probably attest to this. If you've had, if you have a lot of anxiety, if you're always on the lookout, if you have like easily like startle responses, if you're easily startled, if you're jumpy, I used to be this way. I remember specifically my ex-husband telling me you're always so scared like if he were like if I was cleaning the bathroom or something and he were to come in and say hey and I didn't hear him or see him coming I I mean my starter response was off the charts it was like oh my god like I jump and like holy shit and he I remember took it as a, a judgment on him it was almost like he looked at it as if I was scared of him and I remember it affecting him quite a bit and I believe that he has some trauma around being judged Um, and so if he perceived me as judging him, right. AKA me being, me being startled, which was my trauma. So my trauma was affecting his trauma. Yeah. Then he would almost get mad. He would say like, I don't know why you get so jumpy. And I'd say, well, you, you startled me. You scared me. I wasn't expecting you. I was surprised. And I remember checking my words and, and, um, later, not saying that he scared me. I would just say, oh, you surprised me. Because the word scared, really to him, it, it activated him. It triggered him. And it got it made him defensive. So I was aware of his trauma and changed my words accordingly. That's an episode that's coming up, um, actually. Because there's a lot of ways that you can use um, 
better words and sounds and facial expressions to correctly um, and positively decrease the sense of threat in your own like in your own body around other people so we'll get into that maybe next episode but it's it's very very important so I checked my words and I would I would stop saying that all that to say is my startle response was severely like it was just so easily I was so easily scared because of my past trauma I my neuroception of threat was easily um, activated when I was surprised by someone. And so you can see how um, that would happen for someone that let's say they were robbed at gunpoint by surprise or carjacked or you know a physically abused in some surprising way. They their startle response might be very, very um, easily activated. And they have neuroceptions of threat around anything that's like a possible thing that's going to come out out of nowhere, right? They're always on the lookout. Their body's always scanning for threat. And then, um, so that's the one thing I wanted to clear up, the safety and threat um, explanation around neuroception. That's the first thing your body's always doing. And then what happens after that is you will be plate, your body um, automatically goes into one of the three states. So let's say you have a neuroception of safety. Let's say someone comes to your door and you know it's your like best friend coming to visit you and you autom- you hear the, the doorbell ring and you automatically get excited, right? You have a neuroception of safety because you know she's here. And then um, you probably get placed into the ventral vagal state of safety and connection, right? You'll go into that green space feeling all happy and joyful. You open the door and then they're here and you might tell yourself a story. So I always say story follows state. Um, this comes from the amazing Deb Dana. You guys will hear me talk about her incessantly because she informs so much of my work that I do with my clients. So um, she always states that story follows state. You have a neuroception of safety or threat. Your body puts you into your, your autonomic nervous system goes into one of the three states: ventral vagal, sympathetic, or dorsal vagal. If you don't understand these, understand these terms, guys, listen to the previous episode of polyvagal theory. Okay, um, and then a st- story follows one of those states. So your mind will go wherever it goes based on either of those three states. So let's say your friend's visiting you and you open the door um, or before you're about to get to the door, the story might be, I'm so excited. We're going to have so much fun today, right? This happens in an, in a second, guys, in like two seconds. Think about it. The doorbell rings and you automatically, your body has a neuroception of safety or threat. Your um, autonomic nervous system places you into ventral vagal and then you have the thought, I'm so excited. We're going to have a great time. This happens in one second. And we tend to think that so much of what's happening in our lives or like in our bodies and our reactions, we have complete control over. And I promise you guys, a lot of you don't. And it's just this amazing biological mechanism that is your nervous system that's there to take care of you and keep you alive. And it's the one placing you in all of these things, but it is heavily influenced on your past experiences. If you have trauma if you have the impacts of trauma on your nervous system, your neuroception of either safety or threat is heavily influenced by those things. Let me give you guys an example of someone, one of my clients that I spoke to today. We did some psyche balances on her last week. She has had a lot of childhood abuse, childhood um, parental, parental neglect, 
um, a lot of legacy burdens. Um, her mother imposed a lot of limiting beliefs on her, judgments, and horrible, horrible, just, just verbal abuse, okay? And because of that, she had a lot of limiting beliefs on her own, you know, about herself, a lot of shameful guilt, angry, anxious, um, depressive emotions. She had beliefs and thoughts and stories about the world, like people are mean, people will hurt me, you know, all these things. And then her behaviors reflected all of those things. So we um, have been working together about five or six weeks, and we finally got to the place where we're doing the psyche balances to process out her trauma. And we did about five balances last week, which is amazing because her nervous, oh my God, her subconscious mind, you guys, I kept on telling her, you're a fucking bad bitch. Like you're so dope. I've never seen anybody process um, past events as quickly as, as her nervous system did. Um, it just did. We go with it. We where, the, Wherever it goes, it goes. Okay. So what I loved about it is that um, she, we, so we worked five, um, stressful events out. We processed them through Psyche. Um, and, and if you don't know about Psyche, there's an episode here in the podcast that you can listen to. Okay, guys, I'll link it in the show notes. And what's amazing was after processing these things, well, I should say prior to processing these things, she would not be in a romantic relationship. Um, she had a lot of beliefs about her body, a lot of, um, uh, just, you know, the effects of trauma, right? Like not being in relationships, not wanting to get close, very defensive, a lot of, um, self-talk negative self-talk. And so she was in, because of it, she protected herself, right? She had these behavioral adaptations that created a, a life that she wasn't doing what she really wanted to do because things looked very threatening to her. She wasn't having or meeting the, the love of her life because she, to her men meant um, pain and, and you know, lots of other stuff. And so we worked through these traumas, um, processed them, and she texts me yesterday. Well, yesterday or today, we were we always I I am um, communicate with my clients via Voxer, and it's this amazing um, walkie-talkie app. That's what it's called, but that sounds so weird. Basically, what it is is uh, we can text on there um, during our work together, and we can send each other voice messages. I'm always in contact and communication with my clients. I love it. So she sent me a message this morning, and she's like, Annabelle why like all of a sudden like all these guys are like hollering at me like it is so weird like um guys are talking to me I it's I'm like actually interested in like going out on dates um I've been playing with my daughter um I've been really vulnerable before I would never share my emotions if someone hurt me I would just be like "Mm." And just like, you know, be in defensive state and not ever express it. I feel so free and like able to like share my emotions. What the heck is going on? And I explained that she processing the defensive survival states out of your physical body, which is what I, what we do with Psyche. Imagine you have all these big glops of inflammation and blackness in your body. One is from this trauma, all in your right side. One is from this trauma, it's all in your head. One is in this part, like from another trauma, it's all in your in your chest. One, is, you know, just imagine all these traumas, right? And they're affecting your body energy and it's taking up space. Well, think about it. I explained to her, I said, we processed five tra- very traumatic events in your past. 
Think of all that energy that was all around you and in your body. Not, that's all wiped out energetically, right? Because emotions are energy, guys. It's all and it's felt. It's palpable. And um, she even mentioned to me before that, like, she's like, people think like I'm a bitch or something to that effect. Like, I look, I just seem like really hard. And she notices now that once we cleared these emotions out, right, these these energies out of her body through the psyche process, she feels, she's like, guys want to talk to me. They're like reaching out. I'm compelled to, I want to date. Like, she's like, what the hell happened? And I, so I explained like, yeah, all that stuff's out. All that weight is lifted. All that stuff is gone. And your neuroception, your body doesn't have the neuroception of threat as it did before. Before, everything looked like it was going to impact your survival. Like it was dangerous. So relationships weren't good. Talking to men was not good. Um, Being vulnerable was not good. Sitting still and playing with your daughter, not good. She was missing out on such amazing opportunities to have a really full life. But because her neuroception was always viewing this stuff as threatening, it wouldn't let her do them because her neuroception was like threat. Nope. We ain't going on a date. And so she wasn't going on dates. She wasn't, she was having the story like, no men are bad. They're going to hurt me, blah, blah, blah. Right. Whatever story it was. And then her mind went as far as to probably talk her out of it. Your subconscious mind will like tell you whatever it needs to do to keep you safe. And it's going to say, you know what, girl, uh, um, we're you know, like, aren't you busy? Like, we can't go on a date that night. No, no, no. You should. No, let's just stay home. We're not going to like, it's not even going to work anyway. Right. That story follows the state. Um, and so she would always, she missed out on this stuff. She kind of wanted it, but at the same time, her, her body didn't want it. So now that we cleared all that stuff out, she's like, I just feel so different. The world feels different. I feel lighter. It's almost like you're looking at the world from a very, very different filter. Those sunglasses are kind of off. And now you have the, what I call the rose colored glasses, right? You guys have heard of that saying, and things just look more beautiful and easy and available and accessible and possible. Oh, I'm going to cry just thinking about it. Um, I'm sorry, I didn't expect to get emotional. <laughs> this is amazing work, guys. This is why I do what I do. Like, it's just, it's the possibilities after healing are so amazing. And when I get messages like that from my clients, and the it just makes everything worth it. Like, all the hours spent with people and creating the programs, you know, it just like, those are the messages I live for. I get so excited for because it's like if one person changes, it affects so many others. Like, what do you think she's, how do you think she's going to feel now? Like, what do you think is possible for her? Do you think a relationship is around the corner? Yeah, it probably is. Finding her soulmate is like around the corner. And what do you think her daughter's going to experience now that she has a mom that's available to sit with her and play with her, you know, where before she just couldn't. Um, it's, it's amazing. It, this is why processing your trauma is so, so important because you get rid of all that shit and the world just opens up. Um, AKA, you don't have neuroceptions of threat all the fucking time, okay? <laughs> so um, all that to say, uh, I, this is like, it's such amazing work, guys. Such amazing work. Um, 
I lost my train of thought because I got all, I got all like lovey-dovey. <laughs> but I love this work. And so all that to say, um, your body's always scanning for safety or threat. Trauma affects what your body views as safety or threat. Think about if your body is super traumatized and it's living with the impacts of, of survival states on your nervous system and you view going on a, on a date with friends as threatening because for whatever reason, I can't even think right now, but just for whatever reason, think of the things that you're missing out on. Think of the opportunities that you're missing out on. Think of the love that you could be making, the memories you can be making, the businesses you could be growing, the like just ugh, all those things. And I don't think sometimes we think about the possibilities after healing because we're so caught up in what's what we're feeling right now and what we're feeling right now feels so real and feels so horrible and painful that we forget everything that's that's there for us once we clear and process this stuff out. It's the possibilities are endless. The potential is there. And it's just a function of you saying yes to yourself and saying, I, I want this. I'm tired of living here in this place and in this mind and in this body and believing these thoughts and feeling these emotions. Like it's painful. I was there, guys. I was there for so many years, 20 years plus of this anxiety. And I would say the last seven years were the most painful for me, um, being on meds and just doing all those things. And I share this because I think it's so important oh I'm sorry I had to come down from all that um but yes so anyway that's an that's I wanted to give you guys a little bit more detail about neuroception because I think it's so important and you can see the the autumn autumn automaticity I think that's a word guys I've heard Deb Dana say it um the auto autonomat automata I think it's automaticity I'm gonna look it up because I don't give a fuck if I'm saying it wrong, but I think that's the word. Um, and it's amazing what your body will do on autopilot. And a lot of it, you guys, it's not your fault. It's your body per- trying to protect you. And it's so beautiful that it's doing that, right? All right. I had to take a little break because I had a coaching session and now I'm back. So the second part of neuroception that I really wanted to make um, clear is there are different ways that we have neuroception specifically with people. Okay, guys, remember I told you there's three ways, inside, outside, in between. So inside in your own body, this can be if you're feeling sick, if you're feeling pain, if you're hungry, if you're having um, thoughts, these things in your own body will have, you will create a neuroception of either safety or threat based on those things. Outside is anything happening outside of you, an external circumstance, And then between is between you and a nervous system, you and someone else or several people. So the part about other people, I want to really talk about this one because it's, we're human and we have relationships with people. And it's very important to understand that when you're talking with people, you're able to have neuroceptions of safety or threat, even when someone isn't like directly communicating with you, but they're doing it in a different way. So there's ways that you can neurocept safety or threat with a person if they have a certain volume of their voice, if they have a certain type of like the texture or sound of their voice, like if they have a sing singy, sing songy type of nature, like, oh, how are you? Like that, right? That's very like happy, soothing kind of sound. It's very sing songy that you might do to a baby. 
Um, but if someone's really loud and aggressive and that, so someone, and that's called prosody, the prosody of someone's voice can create a neuroception of safety or threat. So there's people's voices. Um, the sound is very, very important. Music can create a, a neuroception of safety or threat. If you're listening to a movie and it's like a horror movie and the music is very purposely intended to create neuroceptions of threat. And you can feel threatened just by watching a movie and listening to sounds, right? Again, someone else's voice. You can hear an old song and it can take you back to an old moment and that can create a neuroception of safety or threat, right? So um, sound is very, very important. It's the way someone looks, their face, okay? If someone is frowning and they have a furrowed brow and they look angry, what kind of neuroception do you think you'll have? One of safety or one of threat? Or if you're looking at someone and they're rolling their eyes every two seconds when you're talking to them, do you think you're going to have a neuroception of safety or threat? Um, if they're looking at you just smiling and, and laughing and like, right? Someone's facial expression, if they have a very flat face, no expression, that can create safety or threat neuroception, right? And so someone's expression is, is, uh, creates neuroception. Remember anything that I'm talking about happening to you, you can do this to someone else. You can be looking at someone and then be like, why are you doing that? And notice that if someone's having a reaction to something that you're, you didn't even emote or you didn't intend on purpose, it could be implied on your in your facial expression, in your tone of your voice, or what you say. Yeah. So um, your body language as well. So if you're sitting there, I said this in the last episode. If you guys are, you're at dinner with someone and you're sitting there on your phone the entire time, the person next to you or across from you can have a neuroception of threat because you're ignoring them. You're not paying attention. And then the story, sorry, my phone was on. I didn't even know. Um, the story that follows the state of, of threat of neuroception after neuroception is one of threat. And then they may be like, they're not interesting, interested in me. They don't like me. Why did I come here? You know, all the things. So someone's body posture or the way, like what they're doing with their body. Right. So, Um, Let me see what else. Oh, okay, touch. So the way someone touches you, if someone puts their hand on the small of your back very light and gently, you can have a neuroception of safety. If someone hugs you, right, you can have a neuroception of safety, very warm, nice, welcoming hug. Um, If someone pushes you, you might have a neuroception of threat, right? Um, If someone throws something at you and it hits you in the face, you can, you know, deduce what you want from there, right? So, and so on. But um, our relationships with other people, there's so much unspoken, quote unquote, body language that is created and then interpreted, right, by our neuroception. That's why people say it's not what you say, it's how you say it is very, very true. That statement's very true because you can have a neuroception of threat when someone says, if someone says, no, thank you. I'm full. That's one. You can have a neuroception there. Or if someone says, no, thank you. I'm full. Right? You can have a very different neuroception. Same words, different tone. Right? Your body interprets it very differently. So 
that's and then you have a story following that neuroception. So I explain that to you so you can understand the dynamics between people. There's a lot of things that your mind and your body, your nervous system are interpreting and scanning for underneath conscious awareness. This is happening without your knowledge. It's not based on what you decide. You're not going to like you can't turn off neuroception and then you can't change the neuroception. Once you have an awareness around your neuroception and say, oh, I got triggered right now. Like I had a neuroception of threat. I went, why? Why him saying that? Did I have a neuroception of threat? And you can kind of evaluate it. There's a thing that I always tell my clients. One, ask yourself if you have a neuroception of safety or threat. Notice which state it puts you into. Ventral vagal, sympathetic or dorsal. And then um, ask yourself what story came after that. And then the biggest one is in this moment, in this place, with this person or these people, if there's no one there, then you just say within yourself, is this response needed? And that's a way of like kind of having awareness around your neuroception, having perception on neuroception, and you can get a lot more clarity. So I hope this helps, guys. This um, I wanted to really make a, an episode that clarifies the the people's personalities what people do and experiences around us and how it really um how our past traumas can affect past events that trauma gave give us impacts of trauma okay on our body um can affect or does heavily affect our ability to neurocept and have neuroceptions of either safety or threat if you have any questions around this guys definitely let me know i'm gonna have a link in the show notes that gives you kind of like a i call it polyvagal theory 101 a little snapshot of each of the definitions that i talked about today like the autonomic nervous system um, sympathetic uh, parasympathetic ventral vagal dorsal things like that neuroception so you can kind of understand the terms a little better i will from this point on re- definitely use these terms so um, learn up on them so you guys can kind of really get to like or just understand everything I'm talking about from this point on in the podcast you guys are smart cookies you guys will get it so download that freebie it's the polyvagal 101 freebie you can get it via the link in my bio on instagram or you can get it in the show notes to this podcast okay so uh, keep a lookout for the new podcast stuff that I'm going to be doing the new launch I kind of um hinted at it on Instagram today and let's see if anyone guesses right that we're gonna that we're gonna that I'm gonna rebrand and um totally change it um and you guys will get to see what the new name is and all that good stuff so I look forward to talking to you guys next week we're gonna talk about emotional I'm sorry about emotional regulation co-regulation and self-regulation um I look forward to talking to you guys next week have a good one (laughs) 